Hi, you're listening to Three Broke Mice, a podcast collaboration of KBIA and Missouri Business Alert. I'm Kara. This is Sue. And I'm Bita. Well, hi, everyone today. How are you doing? Good. Great. Good, good. Thank you to our listeners to tuning in once again. This is our third episode, so going strong. <laughs> and as we have been doing, we like to take a topical approach to our shows. And this week's show deals with health. We're exploring the relationship between what it means to be a millennial, what it means to look after your health, and the money side of things involved. And to better do that, we actually brought in our first guest of the podcast. Our very first guest, Zach wow. Heath. Yeah. First guest. <laughs> that's, so, a, yeah. that's a milestone. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, um, Peter, you're not here, which right, seriously right. missing out. <laughs> I know. Because it was a good conversation that um, I Karen I and there. I had. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're unfortunately unavailable. But yes. we had so much fun talking to him just because he does so much. Um, and he mentions all of that in the, the podcast, the podca- in the, in the, yes, in the interview. And we're going to split that up into two episodes. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you guys will know a lot about Zach and his life. Yeah. But before we get started and roll into his interview, just to let you know, give you a hint. He's a real all around fighter. Mm-hmm. He's a student. He's an entrepreneur. He's working on starting up a biomedical startup. And he's actually... A cancer warrior. Yeah. Here you go. Here is our chat with Zach Heath. Thanks for joining us today. We have two guests in the studio today. We have Zach Heath. He is a Mizzou MBA student and medical entrepreneur who is undergoing his own battle with cancer, as chronicled on his site, collaborationcancer.com. And Rebecca Smith, who is a reporter from KBIA's Health and Wealth Desk. And we're happy to have both of them in today with us. Welcome, guys. Thank you guys you. are the first yeah, guys thanks. ever to be up here in our podcast. So yes. we're very excited. I'm Thank just going to say, so does it get to be rebranded this week as Four bro- Broke Mice? Because I think that fits all of us. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Special edition. Broke. Yeah. And, and Zach, I don't know about your financial situation, but I guess we can always start with that. Do you feel like you're broke sometimes? Absolutely. I'm <laughs> a grad student. Um, but yeah. it's, you know, it's definitely livable and mm-hmm. I'm going to graduate with a master's degree with no debt, so I can't really complain. Oh, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Soon to be a grad student. I'm oh. filing my assistantship application today and it's... I'm soon no longer be a grad student <laughs> and I, I'm very happy for you, but it couldn't be happier for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. And honestly, I feel like your experience really overshadows any introduction that we can make. So even though we already try to fit many things in the introduction at the beginning, I feel like it's nowhere close to actually describing your experience in the past and, you know, what you have gone through. So um, I'm going to put it out there. So apparently you are diagnosed cancer last November. Is that right? Uh, I, yeah, I found out in October, but they didn't get the actual clinical diagnosis until they did some of the pathology stuff. And so I actually found out for sure on Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. Which was just really exciting. Um, and at the same time, I, you know, got the actual diagnosis and the staging. Um, they told me, that I would be starting chemo like in three days and not having surgery until, you know, about after six treatments. And so I actually have surgery next Friday. And I don't know if excited is the right word, but I'm ready to uh, get it done and tackle that head on. They're going to gut me like a deer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody kind of chuckles at that. But it's true. <laughs> we did yeah. when we read that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's true. And so I just try to make light of the situation and 
honestly, I've never really felt better, so I can't complain. How how is that that you've never felt better? How how is now the best time? I have no idea. Um, but I think just it's been a really long six months, and I don't know. It's just changed my whole outlook, attitude, everything. Um, and the amount of support I've had around me is just absolutely insane. You know, I decided to make everything public. I decided to blog about everything, but I never in a million years imagined it would kind of gain the traction that it did. And so, you know, my original post was on Facebook when while I was sitting in the hospital and I'd just gotten hooked up to my second round of chemo and I just was like, okay, like I have one more week before school. Everybody's going to want to know what's going on. Like I missed the last couple of weeks of school. Like everybody knows that something's going on. And I just, instead of having to deal with you know, 125 people asking me what was going on every day. I just decided to go ahead and put it out there. Um, and I decided to, to put it all out there, not hide anything and try to be as honest and matter of fact. And in some ways it's kind of disgusting, but you know, there's a whole lot of that goes on into it. And my life has gone through a very dramatic transformation in the last six months. And I just wanted to kind of spread the awareness um, that people do get cancer when they're not a kid or an old person, um, which it's frustrating to hear that you're too young all the time to get cancer, but I'm not, you know, and I think it's really important for people to understand and acknowledge that people our age are going through a lot of the same things and you don't have to be a child or an adult to have cancer. <laughs> well, I guess I'm an adult, but you know what I mean? <laughs> a young adult. Right. Yeah. There we go. And you have a pretty interesting background in regards to the proximity that cancer has had to you and also the fact that you have, before this diagnosis, had a, even then a very active lifestyle and you seem to be so really high energy, go-getter sort of guy. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not really much to sit still. And I, even though I've lost 60 pounds, I still don't really feel like I look like a cancer patient, which I appreciate. But I think that in some weird way, cancer has energized me to be even more so that way. I'm not really sure how that works. I know that's kind of a different response than most people have, but at the same time, I couldn't be happier that this is how, you know, it turned out. I think it could have been really easily to, easy to just kind of fold and hang out in my basement and not do anything. And I just, you know, I had that for a couple days or a week or two after I initially found out, and then I just was like, well, this is doing nothing for me or anyone. And so actually the really big game changer was the day I looked up the mortality rates for stage four colon cancer, which is obviously everybody who's ever had it at any age, but still pretty scary when you read that you have an 11% chance of being alive five years from now. But I refuse. I just refuse to let that really be a thing. Um, it's not me. I've never really been one to be the same as everybody else. And I just decided that there was no chance that that was going to be me and I'm the 11% and I'm going to do everything I can to give my body the best chance to beat this, to help anybody else who's going through this. And I've made some great friends along the way and things are going great right now. And of course, on top of all of this, and as you said, you're st you call yourself the world's busiest cancer patient. You're a student. You're uh, just ready to finish up your master's in business administration, and you're an entrepreneur. And we were wondering if you could talk a little bit about both of those things, too. Absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> school has kind of taken a little bit of a backseat lately compared to the startup. Um, there's a lot that goes into trying to launch a biomedical startup. Um, 
I've learned a lot. I think I've learned as much through this process as I have in the MBA program, and that's not a dig at the MBA program anyways. It's just I've spent, you know, a couple hundred hours at least working through business plans and investor pitches and market research and, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate FDA approval channels and how to exactly raise money and who and building a huge network of people that can kind of help me, you know, along the way and champion our startup through the university because we we work with a lot of people at the university and it's it's interesting trying to navigate a large public institution when you're already the employee and you're trying to start something else and so it's I wouldn't change it for the world I've learned so much and I'm very excited for the future I, there's so many things that we're looking to do to to change the world and couldn't be happier to be involved with the people that I am Dr. Hunter um, and Emily Patterson are have been just <laughs> I don't I can't thank them enough for everything they've done and how much support they've given me um, and I look forward to moving forward with you know the best team I could have put together to start this and with Hunter Biomedical Group if you could just explain for on air what exactly are you doing um, so our goal is to change the way that cancer treatments are administered and how surgeries are performed so we have um, our first device, we're basically a robotic surgical innovation company, um, and, and that's where we're going to start. We have some really big goals, but the first one is actually a um, vaginal hysterectomy um, platform, which will change the way the hysterectomies are performed in women because at the moment, about 70% of hysterectomies in the market are done abdominally. So women have um, an unnecessary 200-year-old procedure, basically, that gives them about a four to six-inch scar on their stomach that doesn't... You know, it's there's no reason to do it that way, and it's been done for 200 years, and it has more complications. It's a longer stay in the hospital. You, st our, you know, our device would be an outpatient um, surgery. Your recovery time is about 80% less. The infection rate is way lower, and so it's kind of we're essentially the Da Vinci robot for vaginal hysterectomies, which is a really cool position to be in, and it's really exciting. So, what stage is the startup at right now? Um, we're currently prototyping devices and we're looking, we're getting everything together to actually pitch to investors, which we're working closely with, uh, the university and the life sciences incubator, um, here on campus. Um, and in the next month or two, we'll be trying to seek out and finalize investment, but we're, you know, still in the infancy stage, but we are working towards securing all of our IP and we have filing provisional patents and basically building our network and trying to figure out who the best people are to work with and how exactly we want to go about getting funded, whether we want donations, venture capitalists, angel investors, whether we want to partner with the university completely. And so there's a lot of negotiation, I guess, that goes in there and just kind of a critical thinking analysis and trying to figure out what will work the best for us and how we can kind of give ourselves the best situation to succeed. What went through your mind, I guess, when you first found out about your cancer situation that you've been working with a startup that focuses on that aspect of, of medical care and healthcare, and here you are kind of in the same boat, just having that switch of a position, becoming a patient yourself? I kind of just weirdly chuckled a little bit initially because the irony is just insane to me. I mean, and I pretty much knew I would get cancer at some point, but I never would have guessed it would have been right after my 28th birthday. No, you pretty much know you will 
what does that mean? Like, are well, you envisioning like fifty-year-old you getting uh, yeah, cancer? Yeah, like, you like... know, if you live long enough, you're you get cancer. You know, and that's just <laughs> kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. And as, you know, especially, I, I have a long history of, of cancer in my family, unfortunately. And you know, my my sister was diagnosed with cancer when she was six years old. My mom had cancer. My dad had cancer. And it's almost like I mentioned the blog. It's kind of a rite of passage for our family. You know, it. And they, I think that's part of the reason I handled it so well is because I sat back and watched them dominate cancer. You know, my sister did it as a six-year-old. Talk about too young to have cancer. She was six years old, and she just took it like a champ. I don't remember ever even seeing her cry. I don't remember, I mean, maybe she didn't fully understand it, but if I think she did, and she took it like a champ. And so as a 28-year-old, what am I going to do? You know, I draw on the strength of my parents and how my little sister handled it, and I can't let her beat me. Right, and with that, we understand that on top of what we've talked about, that when you first found out your diagnosis, you did not have health insurance coverage. True. So, um, homecoming. So, October 10th was kind of the the day that I realized something was not right. Um, I had been having kind of cramps and stuff for a while. And I joked that I was having contractions, um, which was kind of funny. But it's kind of what it felt like. I mean, every every like several minutes, I would get these really intense kind of stomach cramps. Um, and like the first time it happened, it was two or three hours, and the second time it was five or six hours, and then the third time it never went away. Um, and so the next day after homecoming, I went you know and talked to my parents, and we decided to go through the marketplace and through Obamacare and sign up for insurance, but it wouldn't take effect until November 1st, which was about three weeks away. And so I was like, okay, cool. You know, I got this. Like, I'll just handle it until then and it'll be all right. And about October 22nd, I want to say, is I got really, really sick. Um, I had about 102 and a half degree fever. I couldn't sit up. Uh, my stomach was really so sensitive to the touch that I didn't, I couldn't really touch it. Um, and it was starting to get kind of hard in places, which, you know, normally would be, I guess, a good thing. But I definitely wasn't a muscle or anything. So I got a little bit concerned. And so I kind of went to my parents' place to hang out and lay low and see if I could make it till November 1st. But um, October by October 25th, I was, you know, not getting any better and, at all. And my sister's a nurse and, you know, she was really mad at me for not going to the emergency room already because apparently anytime you have any kind of severe abdominal pain, soreness, it's an emergency. And so she was worried that um, I might have been septic and have, inter- you know, any kind of internal not good stuff <laughs> going on. And so uh, the last straw was I got a little bit sick to my stomach and I actually ended up throwing up at my parents' house one night. Sorry. But uh, that was that was that was it, and my parents and, and my sister were very adamant, and so I kind of acquiesced, and I went to the hospital and spent five days there, and they didn't really have any idea what was going on because my stomach was so inflamed and irritated that they couldn't tell on a CT what the deal was, so they just gave me antibiotics for five days and then sent me home with two more weeks of it, and as soon as that was up, I got sick right away again. And so I waited, stubborn me waited another week or so to go back to the hospital because it wasn't really fun the first time. And so I did. And I ended up staying there for seven days. But 
the first night I went back, everything had subsided enough and the, did a CT again and the doctor came in and was just like, well, we're pretty sure you have colon cancer. We found a large mass. And I was like, okay, you know, and so kind of awestruck a little bit, but I knew something was wrong. And when I left the hospital the first time, they talked about maybe it was ulcerative colitis. And I was like, that just doesn't sound right. I did the research and I was like, I don't really have any of these symptoms and it doesn't run in my family. And so I just, I knew that that wasn't it. Um, and then when I went back, so I, I wasn't really completely shocked, but it was hard having my mom and my sister there. Um, that was more what I was worried about than me. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty even keel kind of emotionally. And I, it was, I mean, it sucked as terrible thing to hear, but I was really a lot more concerned for them. And I didn't want to tell my dad, like, I just was really worried about how he was going to handle it. And so it was just, I don't know. <laughs> There's nothing quite like being told you have cancer and I don't really know how to explain it. Um, but it's, it's not something that is fun to hear. <laughs> and on top of that, with your coverage just starting right. once you, after you'd found out you're getting sick, after you started experiencing symptoms, what was that like navigating that and figuring out how to cover your, your costs? Scary. Um, I didn't really know what to do. Um, and so the coverage kicked in by the time I went, went back to that hospital the second time. Uh, but I, you know, figured that I would be on the hook for a really expensive bill from the hospital for the first time. And, and we started talking to the financial uh, aid people at the hospital and discovered that it might be possible for them to essentially write it off, you know, depending on what happened in the future because my whole treatment is going to cost like a million dollars pretty much. And so, you know, what's 30 or 40,000 bucks when you have a million dollars in charges. And so, um, still kind of hoping that that goes away, but we'll see. Um, I think it's still a pretty good possibility that, um, I'll end up being all right with, with all my bills. Um, I'm pretty confident in that. And just the amount of support I've, and like, through the GoFundMe, through just people just giving me money, which is crazy to me, but I really appreciate all the help. And I, I think that I'm going to be able to pay for a hundred percent of the medical bills or, or real close with all the money that I've raised, uh, you know, that GoFundMe and, and CrossFit did a fundraiser for me, which was absolutely amazing. I you know, I can't find a better group of people than, than over there at Iron Wolf, Iron Wolf CrossFit. And uh, you know, they're one of my motivators so I can get healthy and get back over there and, you know, work out and complain. That's what I do. It's, it's a lot of fun, but it's hard and it makes it more fun if you complain about it. I'm curious on the on the insurance question. Um, so you're, you're a grad student here. You do Correct. a TA position. I do. Were you eligible for the insurance waivers? I was eligible for a half waiver. Um, last year, I had two graduate assistant positions, and one of my, the graduate positions that I had worked, the teacher was actually on sabbatical this year, and there wasn't a second position this year. And so if you have two positions or a 20, a 20-hour 20 FTE position, then you qualify for the whole waiver. But I had 10, and it was half a waiver, and so it was going to be like $1,300 or something for each semester to get insurance. And I was like, I haven't been to the doctor since I like I broke a bone when I was like eight and nineteen, you know, like I don't I don't I have never I don't go to the, haven't been to the dentist. I've never had a cavity. I've never had braces. I never 
Like I don't, if I, the only way I go to the doctor my whole life has been if I broke something pretty much. The collarbone, right? Yeah, Twice. I broke collarbone. <laughs> oh. I've broken a lot of things. <laughs> I had a lot of fun when I was a kid. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just made the executive decision that I could get by without it for one more year and then have a you know job and have insurance and it would be fine. And then, of course, six weeks later, I get a cancer diagnosis, which was just wonderful. How much have you been put on the hook for, for so far? Like, was there a deductible that had to be covered with your marketplace plan? Uh, yeah. So that <laughs> deductible was a we opted to go with kind of the highest deductible or highest premium plan because it had the lowest out of pocket and I knew something was really wrong. And so that was going to be uh, able to be the cheapest plan in the long run. Um, so that premium has been about 400, a little bit over $400 a month for the last, let's see, five months now. Um, and then of course there's an out of pocket deductible for the year that you have to meet. And then of course I got that it all started in November, December, so I got to finish one year and start another year right away, which was just fantastic. Um, but I, I don't know the exact numbers. Um, I am trying not to focus too much on that. Um, I'm not really that worried about it. Like, I will get it taken care of. Um, if I have to, you know, pay for it down the line, that's fine. I can't avoid treatment because I'm worried about, you know, the money. And so... Now that I have insurance and moving forward, it's 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 manageable. People, younger people, and especially it seems like people in our age range of their 20s often have this perspective of being young and invincible. And do you think maybe that and your healthy lifestyle maybe contributed to your past perspective on your own health and how, if so? Absolutely. Um, I think I you know mentioned in the blog that I've, you know, your that young teenage sense of immortality is is gone, um, and I really <laughs> I kind of embodied that for a long time. I just you know with the genetic testing, I was like, no, I don't have it. I'm not getting tested. I don't have it. I'm not gonna get sick. Nope, I'm good. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> and I mean, I've never gotten sick. I've like, well, I mean, never, not really. You know, I get sick once every couple of years, and I think like, I've just always been pretty healthy, except for the breaking bones thing, and so. I, it, I don't know. It's it, it's crazy. And how has that changed? That kind of mi mindset. Time is just not as uh, there's it just time has changed my conception of time or perception of time, and I don't feel like I don't like free time as much anymore. You know, sitting around watching Netflix, essentially wasting time doing nothing is is frustrating to me now. I used to, you know, do that quite often because I figured, hey, I got, you know, 50 more years. I can do what I want. And now, you know, who knows what will happen. But regardless, realizing, you know, the fact that you aren't going to live forever and there's, you know, and there's a significant chance that them might not be here in five years or whatever. And so... I want to get stuff done. You know, I want to help people. I want to do, I want to accomplish things. I want to, you know, build relationships with and spend time with people I care about. I want to try and help as many people as I can. And, you know, it's a weird thing for kids from the Midwest apparently, but I would really like to change the world and do as much as I can to improve how we treat cancer and how we perceive cancer and how we operate on cancer patients and, and give everybody a better chance to 
beat cancer. And so that's what I've been doing. And with how, just as we've been talking this entire time, how you seem to approach most things in your life with this gung-ho, all-in spirit, what kind of comparisons, if any, have you been able to draw between being this driven entrepreneur and student and, as you say on your website, a gladiator against cancer? I, you know, I was, <laughs> I was tired of always hearing cancer fighter. You know, I don't know. And, and <laughs> Gladiator is my favorite movie. And I just thought that the whole relationship of a gladiator going into the arena to win your freedom really kind of resonated with me in terms of being a cancer patient going in to get chemo and surgery to essentially win your freedom from cancer. And so I don't know. I chose to use that as, as the kind of catchphrase and, and, you know, you got to be tough in everything. It doesn't matter if you have cancer. It doesn't matter if you're sick or healthy or happy or sad or rich or poor. You, you, I mean, you control how happy you are, you know, and I really do believe that. And you all the time see, you know, people that are hypochondriacs and they get sick or hurt all the time. And it's, well, they're telling themselves that they're sick or hurt all the time. You know, like happy people tell themselves they're happy, you know, and I, I have lots of negative things that happen in my life, but so what? Like at the end of the day, I have a great family. I have a great life. I'm in school. I'm doing really cool things with the website. I have a ton of, or with the startup, I have a ton of support everywhere I go. Like I have nothing to be upset about, like, it, you know, at the end of the day. And obviously that's a really long equation and you add up all the positives and negatives and everybody comes to their own conclusion. But regardless of that conclusion, you control how happy you are. And I just wish more people would understand that you know wake up tell your, think about the five best things in your life every day you probably have a better day but if you sit there and just dwell on everything terrible like nobody likes that like nobody's attracted to that nobody wants to hang out with you nobody wants to help you like it life is great like at the end of the day just be positive How, stop being a hater you know like and that's such a, a way of our culture lately that it's just cool to hate everything and it just doesn't make any sense and to me that's no way to go through life and I just I don't know when I, I I get that way I have I get down on myself sometimes or you know negative emotions and thoughts and like I was really sick whenever I had the flu what uh, two weeks ago now and I, I noticed like I hadn't really eaten in a couple of days and like I was just basically hugging the toilet and laying in the fetal position and feeling awful and you know I, you allow negative thoughts to creep into your head and it just makes it worse like and I kind of had the realization after like two days and I was just like, wait a minute, like, what am I doing? Like, this is not helping. And I was just like, okay, I feel better. And I just kept telling myself that I felt better regardless of how I felt. And the next morning it was fine. Like, do I think that had a direct relationship? Yes. But do I think that was all? No. Like it was just probably like the third, fourth day of being sick and I was over it. But it makes a huge difference. Just tell yourself you're happy and you'll be happy. Fake it till you become it. I'm actually really curious. Um, so obviously you're in your last semester as an MBA student about to graduate. Why? What, what did that decision-making process look like? I mean, did, was there ever a moment you considered maybe taking a semester to, like, focus on recovery? Never. Why? I wanted, I wanted to be done. I want to graduate. I want to move on. I don't – and also, who was to say that things would be better? And at the time, I didn't know if things would be better or worse in August. Like – I feel great right now. I'm going to do everything I can on the days I feel great. If I don't feel good, I'll go take a nap, you know, whatever. But as long as I continue to feel good, why wouldn't I? You know, like it's it's really important to me to finish this. And 
regardless of what happens or anything, you know, even if things do take a turn for the worse, well, at least I finished my master's degree, you know, which is cool. I know my grandparents would be really proud of that. And my mom just finished the MBA program a couple months before I started. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's really important to me to get done. And it's, it's challenging, but everybody has things that they have to work through. I was going to say, like, how has that worked, like balancing treatment and life and school? And have teachers been pretty understanding? Teachers have been excellent. Um, they've been very understanding. Like, I, I like to joke and play the cancer card jokingly a lot, but I, I've, I've never really had to use – I've never used it for real. And I'm and I am proud of that. And I'm going to try really hard not to. But, I mean, I've missed classes because I have chemo or because I have, you know – certain procedures that I couldn't get scheduled on a different day or, you know, I feel terrible, which um, really has only happened the week when I got the stomach flu. So who knew cancer would be okay, but stomach flu would get you down. Mostly what I had left, um, one weird question I'll leave for the end. And then before that is just kind of what has people's reaction been both in person when you say like, hey, I'm, hi, I'm Zach, I'm 28, I have cancer. I mean, not that that's how you introduce yourself, but yeah. like how um, do people react? Because I do feel, I mean, we touched on this earlier, there's pediatric cancer, and there's typical adult cancer, mm-hmm. but that adult or that like young adult that like what like I'd say like eighteen to eighteen to thirty five ish, you know, it, it's people are surprised, I guess, and <laughs> you always get that kind of like slump of the shoulders, like oh, like you know, like where they're sad and like don't really know what to say, and then I usually am pretty upbeat and make a joke about it, and then they feel fine. But one of the interesting things is people always ask you how you are, and when you say you're great. They don't know how to respond. You know, it's right. – but I get that because it's it's the end of the story. You know, people want a story and when you say you're great, it's kind of the end of the conversation. And so – but I, nobody ever asked me what's up anymore. It's always how are you feeling, which is – you know, I appreciate the concern but I'm doing fine. You know, like let's talk about something else every once in a while and all that. But everybody's been great. How have you handled that, making sure that cancer doesn't become your life? Because I feel like Humor? if you have a really serious <laughs> illness, that's really common where it just, right. you know, uh, you become your diagnosis. You just live to defeat rather than like live. <laughs> yeah. Uh, humor. I don't know. Staying busy. Like I, I really like the whole catch me if you can cancer kind of attitude. Like I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And if it, it's going to have to work really hard to beat me, um, I, you know, I, I, I don't really know. I guess I just I try to inject as much humor as I can. Like it, that's funny. The. The very first day back to class, which, you know, I hadn't seen any of my classmates except for like one or two that I'm real close with. And I had put everything out on Facebook and I had started the blog and had about 10 posts on the blog and kind of was really pretty much up to date when I launched it. Um, and we had seminar and one of, one of my buddies, um, I got there early and I sat down and I sat down on an aisle seat and he uh, stood there and was like, hey, man, like I'm going to come sit by you. And I was like, really? You're going to make me get up? You know, I have cancer, right? And he just like for like ten seconds, he just like went stone faced and was and I was like, I'm just kidding, I'm good. Here you go. And so like it really kind of like broke the ice. And then I just I, everybody jokes around about it now in the NBA program, and I'm really glad that we can we can. And like I just you know I like to think I'm kind of funny, and so the best way to diffuse any situation is humor, in my opinion. And so well, that's what I try to do. I kind of want. Catch me if you can cancer be on like a t-shirt <laughs> so that can be like well one thing <laughs> that I, I feel is, like it could be I mean it might have already been a thing. <laughs> it might be here really soon so yeah. one thing that is coming up is the NBA Association has actually 
Um, they're putting on a fundraiser April 23rd. They're going to rent out Stevens Lake Park, um, and they're going to have a bunch of bands playing, and we're going to have a bunch of different, like, cool things for family and, and kids to do. Um, and there's going to be craft beer all over the place. And so it's going to be a really fun event. And, you know, they're uh, trying to have about a 1,000 people, I think. And so it'll be really cool. And I, I just What's can't believe. What's the event for? It's for me. Oh, oh, yeah. yay. I know, right? Um, who would have thought? Um, but I, like, I just, the fact that they even wanted to do that in the first place kind of blew my mind. And there's been a few people in the NBA Association that I, you know, have worked really hard and I really, really appreciate it. And, and I don't know how to thank them, but it's, like I said, the support has been amazing. Like, I never would have guessed. And it's almost like a faith in humanity restored kind of moment. Um but, you know, it's it's my turn to pay it forward after this, and I, I plan on doing that exponentially. Can you let our listeners know where we can find all of your blogs and your social media handles so that they can go online and try to follow up with your stories? Absolutely. Um, you can go to collaborationcancer.com, um, and there's that's where all the blog stuff is. There's a little bit. There's a little about me section, and there's a couple other links. There's a link to the Instagram account, which is which is the Chain Life um, diet that I mentioned earlier. And I'm trying to get better at posting all of that, but I tend to forget when food's in front of me to take a picture, but I'm working on it. Um, and so that's Chain Life Diet on Instagram. Um, and Twitter, you can follow me at, at manwithcancer. Um, or, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's also a Facebook page that's collaborationcancer.com that you can go like for all the stories. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for having me. This was great. Thank you. Well, we really enjoyed having that conversation yeah. with you. It was rejuvenating for me. I aim yeah. to please. <laughs> so what you just heard is the part one of our uh, interview with Zach, and it contained the part where Zach talked a lot about his own business, the uh, startup that he's involved with, and also, you know, just kind of his life as a student. Also fighting cancer, um, as a millennial fighting cancer, a lot of that. And then a lot about his personal life in terms of what he eats. He's a really healthy person, just a kind of a quick intro into looking that. Um, we will have the second part of that um, installment in our next episode of the podcast. So make sure that you tune in and listen to the second part, which will be just as fantastic as the part you listen to. We did our interview with Zach a bit before he went into his surgery on March 23rd, and we just wanted to give you an update. So he has been out and recovering, and he's contacted us and let us know that he's doing great. He's still in high spirits. He's on recovery. It's obviously major surgery that he had to help fight his colon cancer, but he's on his road to recovery and he's still going strong so we're very happy to hear that and happy to hear that he is persisting as the cancer warrior that he is exactly and if you're interested in finding out more details um, information about zach and his surgery he's actually still updating his website collaborationcancer.com with all the information that's rolling in post-surgery and we've actually seen quite a visual picture just now in his blog section. So we want to warn you guys before going up there that mm -hmm. be prepared with what you might see. It's really not visual if you're considering what he's battling, right? He's battling yeah. cancer. So, of mm -hmm. course, there's going to be something that's up there that is 
not exactly like your everyday Instagram feed, <laughs> but it is great information. He's a good writer and talker, definitely, as you guys definitely. have listened. <laughs> so yeah, make sure you check out his website. All right, so we have some amazing information. Woo, you can, uh, you know, find our podcast now on iTunes. Woo, woo! Which is, uh, like, I never thought I'd be able to say this. <laughs> I'm crying a single tear. It's very exciting for us. So it's easily, you can take our podcast with you everywhere and share us and, you know, hype us up. Mm-hmm. We're also on Overcast and Pocket Cast too, for you hipsters who are using the alternative apps. <laughs> and we're also on social media like we said in our last episode we are on facebook and twitter under three broke mice Mm -hmm. you can find us on both platforms our next episode is going to be about student loans which i know a lot of you guys have a lot to say on that please reach us on social media also via our email which is three broke mice at gmail.com and tell us your student loan stories we would love to hear and maybe include in our next episode mm-hmm. yes so this is it for this episode of three broke mice or is there anything else that's it okay well this is it so thank you guys for tuning in we'll see you next time bye <laughs>